Lars Ulrich, the drummer, uh, said to uh, a DJ at CJ here in Calgary that uh, he thought it was blanking amazing that a church would actually see uh, good prophetic uh, rhyming and echoes of, of God's truth in Metallica's music, where they've always been, for the most part, by churches seen as the antithesis of anything Christian. Hi there, friends, and welcome to episode 55 of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. My name is Matt Bruff, and I'm a pastor and an author and your host. Today, I'm not going to do much of an intro, just to say that you did hear correctly just now that we do spend some time talking in this interview about Metallica, and yeah, you heard it right, Metallica. And uh, this is, wow, this is just such a great interview. I know you're going to love it. Um, with John Van Sloten, we talk about all kinds of things, particularly seeing God at work in, you know, across in so many different ways and in so many different places in your job, in, um, in popular culture and all kinds of things. So uh, I know you're going to love this one. And so we're just going to get right to it today. Thanks for listening. Today on the podcast, I have John Van Sloten, and it's great to have you on the podcast today, John. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, John is a pastor, uh, ordained pastor in the Christian Reformed Church. He lives in Calgary, Alberta, so it's great to talk to a fellow Canadian and really a fellow prairie Canadian. Yeah, we are um, Western Canadians, you and I. Yeah, and we kind of were just talking off uh, off air that we're basically theological cousins as well, with me being Presbyterian and Christian Reformed, very, very close to that. Um, so that's that's really great. And John, you're also an author of a few books, um, and that's really what I'm hoping we can talk about today are the books that you've you've written. So you can just tell us the the two that you have out right now, and I know you're working on a third too. Yeah, in uh, 2010, I wrote a book called The Day Metallica Came to Church, Searching for the Everywhere God Everywhere. Uh, Sorry, I should know the title of my own book, Searching for the Everywhere God and Everything. It was eight years ago. Um, That's a kind of look at uh, God uh, and faith as it it bubbles up in pop culture. And then my second book came out this summer uh, with Nav Press uh, in North America and Hodder and Stoughton in the UK. It's entitled Every Job a Parable. What, uh, well, in North America, it's what Walmart readers, nurses, and astronauts tell us about God. In uh, the UK, it's what farmers, nurses, and astronauts tell us about God because they don't have Walmarts in uh, in the UK. And the third book is on faith and science. So I've kind of faith in pop culture, faith in work, um, and faith in science. All of them have a sort of common theme of uh, a huge view of of revelation that God um, speaks and, and is moving in the world, is already moving in the world. And what would it be to be, what would it be like to be a worker or a, an engager of pop culture or someone who listens to science stories uh, with more attentive, revelatory um, uh, ears and eyes and, and hearts? Yeah, this all sounds great. Like, I want to talk to you about all of it, if we can. Um, but uh, we may not be able to get to the science stuff, but maybe I can have you back on about that. Maybe we can focus on the first uh, first couple of books that you've written and, and sort of the message around those. I was really intrigued, and maybe we'll start with, um, like, there's a book about Metallica, and, huh. and I, <laughs> I think this is about... Um, 
Yeah, what's going on? Metallica coming to church? And yeah, oh yeah. Oh, what you yeah. in a nutshell? Uh, I, uh, I was preaching a store a sermon on you too, and a young uh, a preteen boy came up and said, "Hey, Pastor John, can you preach a sermon on my favorite band?" And before I asked him what the band was, I said yes, and uh, and he said it was Metallica, and I thought. Uh, I did the pastor slough off. Let me pray about that. <laughs> and uh, only I really did. And the next day, someone from our church, a newbie, uh, phoned me up and said he had two Metallica tickets for my wife and I if we wanted to go to a concert. And uh, so I took that as a sign and started to uh, look at the music of the band. Can I and, stop and, you there? Because is that like a normal, like that's not, that would not be a normal thing in my church for someone to offer me Metallica tickets like maybe like tickets <laughs> to go and see Steve Bell or no 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 this know, guy was a classical new- music concert I know I know, I know. this guy was a, this guy was a newbie and uh to our church uh which is great right as a church you want to connect with people who maybe aren't yeah. normal attenders of church um and this this guy and uh and his his wife weren't and no he he thought yeah hey i got a couple extra metallica tickets maybe my pastor would like to go and they were right on the edge of the stage so my wife and i went and um and i had a moment at the, at that concert where it felt like a communal lament like 17,000 calgarians were crying out to god about nothing else mattering uh one of their songs and um so I, I, I committed to preaching a sermon on the band. The band found out about it through a Calgary Sun article. And uh, Lars Ulrich, the drummer, uh, said to uh, a DJ at CJ here in Calgary that uh, he thought it was blanking amazing that a church would actually see uh, good prophetic uh, rhyming and echoes of of God's truth in Metallica's music, where they've always been, for the most part, by churches seen as the antithesis of anything Christian. And so he, uh, they were in town. They did a concert. They were uh, they were moving on to Regina uh, on their tour, so they couldn't stay. So they sent a Warner Music camera crew to to our church mm-hmm. to film the service, so that Lars, the drummer, could uh, watch a sermon about about their band. And then that story ended up getting on radio stations around the world and Ireland and everywhere. And it kind of took off. So it's a great hook, but the book is not all about Metallica or heavy metal music. Um, I really wasn't even a fan. I became a bit more of a fan after preaching them. Something about naming God's goodness in a thing that uh, softens your heart towards uh, that thing. And I'm discovering a lot of things that I'm ignorant of. Um, God is very much present within, um, so anyway, yeah, that's what happened. Metallica uh, came to church, quote unquote, and uh, and we got a good book title out of it. Yeah, right. Um, now you said something about uh, the prophetic as well. So kind of seeing that maybe there's a, so you saw parallels between. Yeah, well, Metallica. I mean, Metallica is is a, a bit of a a softball when it comes to preaching a pop cultural text because they actually quote from the Bible in several of their songs about the wrath of God uh, from the uh, story of the Exodus. And so there were natural connectors to scriptural passages on wrath. But uh, from a broader perspective, Metallica uh, was uh, was judging harshly with a heavy metal, wrathful, rolling over you, rumbling in your gut kind of word through their music against consumerism and hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is huge uh, in, in all kinds of music, especially in metal music, um, and sort of a hypocrisy born out of pain for this is not the way the world should be. And so um, 
so that that was that was what first caught my attention in terms of uh, an overall narrative arc for the sermon. And then as I started to uh, research the individuals, the sad stories of all the band members, you know, grew up in lousy homes with abusive parents and substance abuse. And and James Hetfield, the lead singer in particular, um, grew up in a home where his his mom went to a church where when she got cancer, they said, well, if you don't have enough faith to pray for it to get better, you got a problem with your faith. And so he left the faith. Um, and so, uh, you know, his songs about fading to black and raging against the church uh, were born out of a very painful place. Um, but in order to deal with that pain, he did a couple decades of, of metal music, but at that point was coming to the realization that um, forgiveness is really the only antidote. I can drink it, try to drink it away or rage it away or s- sing it away, but I need to forgive it. And there was a quote in an article uh, where he spoke about that forgiveness as being an answer. And I thought, there you go. I'll button up a sermon with a story about forgiveness, which may have very good connections to, uh, obviously has good connections to our story. So, so yeah, I ended up preaching it and the sermon, uh, that, that that video of the actual Warner music video is actually on my website. If people want to go and watch it, you got to endure. <laughs> if you're not a metal fan, you got to endure 20 minutes of uh, our call to worship, which were straight up Metallica songs. Um, no way. Yeah. The gym was packed that Sunday. Uh, we we're a little church plant and, and the gym was packed and, uh, and they were advertising it in the upcoming concert section of the local secular radio rock station. They were saying, you know, you got to go to New Hope Church this Sunday and, and listen. Because they have a Metallica cover band. And they did a great job. We had a great guitarist at the time who, who nailed it. Even the Warner people were going, hey, this is actually a pretty good cover band. Say, it's, so, actually, it's actually not easy music. No, not easy, and uh, uh, but no, they they pulled it off, and it, and it came together in a in a pretty good way, and and the message got out there that that the spirit of God is not absent from heavy metal music. Um, God is everywhere in the world, moving, and people are imaging God and and uh, being used of God anonymously or without their awareness um, all the time, and. Um, so my life's journey has just been about naming that wherever I see it. And uh, so Metallica, and that book is mostly about uh, music and art and film, um, television, um, not so much uh, work or, or science. Those come out in the later books. But yeah, God moving in, in all things. Yeah. So like you said, it's not just about that one band, but you're, no. you you talk about a, a number of different areas. And is there anything that's kind of at the core of that book that you, like, is there a kind of a a conclusion that you make um, or is it just kind of pointing out and sort of telling the, the story? Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, I wrote the book, the impetus, I don't know if this is a good reason to write the book, but at the time um, people were leaving our church because this pastor kept preaching about illustrations from the culture, right? And um, people were not understanding what I understood to be sources of revelation um, in my denominational uh, theological history, uh, we believe that God speaks through two books, through the Bible and through creation. And uh, as I've sort of dived back into that theology in the last five years, I've discovered that, that you know, uh, John Calvin, Abraham Kuyper, um, J.H. Bovink, and a whole bunch of other theologians from our tribe, they've written extensively about how God 
you can't fully know God just through the Bible. Um, you can know God in the saving way through the scriptures, but to know God fully, it's, it's scripture illumining creation and creation illumining scripture. Um, so I'm, I'm operating with this worldview as, as, as I'm preaching these sermons and realizing that people in our church are going, hey, I like metal, I'm going to that one, and oh, I don't like fashion, so I'm not going to go to the fashion show service. When in fact, it wasn't about metal or fashion, it, right. it's about the God, uh, the God who rages at, at hypocrisy and cares about beauty and aesthetics. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, the book got written for, 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 for that reason. And so the line through the book is primarily, it's, it's a bit of an apologetic, a theological apologetic for why we, you would engage God in all these crazy places. And so it tells the stories of all those places. Um, but it also unpacks a, a theology of creation, which is often a, a, a bereft doctrine in the Christian church. Um, um, it does not ignore the fall, so we're not just cherry-picking the good things and ignoring the bad things. Um, uh, it talks about a theology of the Imago Dei. Um, Calvin had an idea called the census divinitatis, that God has planted a seed of religion in every human being that is like a homing beacon that makes them yearn for and desire to know God and to search for God. And so when we go to a metal concert and we scream out in rage with a band singing about hypocrisy in the world, um, that there's something of God's raging and wrathfulness uh, toward hypocrisy in the world that, that God put in us by his spirit in a commonly gracious kind of way um, that's at work in that place. So naming the census divinitatis, naming the Imago Dei, naming a good doctrine of creation, um, engaging a good doctrine of recreation, um, that God is making all things new. It says, Jesus said in, in the book of revelation, um, uh, I'm, I'm taking all of that at face value and saying that's really true. And you know, the doctrine of providence was huge in my denomination growing up. Sovereignty and not a hair can fall from my head apart from the will of my heavenly father. Um, if this is true, <laughs> then it's not just true for me. As a believer, I know it's true for me, but it's true for my neighbor who doesn't know uh, their left hand from their right in terms of who Jesus is. And mm. So can I be, as a Christian pastor, someone who comes alongside a world and points out uh, where God is moving through common grace and authoritative, real, spirit-led, held, providentially, sovereignly, watched over, being made new ways, and just name it for people? And so, you know, in our church's history, as I've done that, um, again and again, it gets picked up by the news, <laughs> um, which tells me two things. Um, the gospel can be good news, and, and that, that's somehow a link to bringing the gospel to a place where it's seen as news, and not just because it's, it's uh, avant-garde or, or sexy stuff or something different, but I think as I've engaged uh, conversations uh, with people in the media, um, they've, I, I can... I can almost see and recall the points where the, the reporter or the television interviewer viewer just kind of goes, oh, okay, you're not just trying to be cool or relevant. You really do believe that God has something to do with it. And when you name that thing and then it kind of washes over them that this, this is more than just relevance. This actually is, this guy really believes that God has something to do with Blue Jays baseball or or jets hockey or it definitely has something to do with jets hockey i don't know about <laughs> baseball but 
I was I was kind of hoping that uh, the game on the weekend <laughs> that my I see your logo. Yeah. I was going to wear my Leafs jersey, but we lost. <laughs> we lost yeah. to you guys on the weekend. So, so I don't think hockey really should be on the agenda. Like you said at the beginning of the interview, we should focus on the books. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we we don't want to get into a fight here. We can we can try to try to agree. We'll see um, you in early June. Yeah, I, I I hope so. That was my pick at the beginning. I'll go on record. My pick at the beginning of the season was a was a Jets Leafs final. I think oh, that would be on. so. Wouldn't that be Speak, great? Speaking of profits, yeah, we we hope so. We hope so. We'll see. Um, both good teams. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, and so your your second book about the workplace, every job a parable, um, seems to be kind of a bit of an extension of this, right? But then kind of talking in the sense of, of the workplace. Um, but it's maybe like, even just from the title, it seems like there's maybe a diff, a, a different take on it, right? It's, um, it's the jobs themselves kind of speaking to yeah. us or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so where, what I just described for the Metallica book, um, uh, took it, it was primarily about a God who's in behind you know, chronologically and, and metaphysically, uh, reality, sovereignly speaking, God reveals. So, so creation is like a theater where he's moving that you can see or a big speaker through which God is speaking. So that was the direction it was revelation and creation. Look at that. Look at how it talks to the scriptures. Um, the second book is you, um, in, in this, in the particular case of work, as a parable, um, a source of revelation through which God is speaking into the world. So your job is a parable within which and through which God is speaking. So God speaks through the cleaning up to make room for the new nature of a cafeteria maintenance worker who wipes out the tables uh, or a sanitation worker, who the one who took away our garbage this morning. Um, by taking away the bad, they make room for flourishing and health and the new. Um, God uh, can be seen through the energizing work of an electrician who, when they make the connections they make, bring an energizing power to an an inanimate thing and bring it to life and allow it to fully be and flourish. God can be seen through your work as an artist, a doctor. I mean, we do cover sort of some of the traditional places where people see uh, God at work in healthcare or as a lawyer or an advocate. Um, But this particular book looks at places like Walmart greeters and astronauts and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, your job is a parable. It's, it, I mean, both of the books are kind of mystical and I'm a bit of a, I guess, reformed mystic um, in terms of my propensities. But, but what would it mean to, to know God in the, in the carpenter moment when as a carpenter, you can see a joint that, that needs to come together and, and you can, in your mind, you have an imaginative capacity to, to, to see how the cut has to be made on the joist. And, uh, and, and then you can transfer what you know in your mind to your hands and you have the hand-eye coordination to actually make the cut and, and then bring it back to the, that place on the site and drop it into place and nail it into place because you got it right. Um, how is a carpenter made in the image of the carpenter and the creator and the God of all ultimate hand-eye coordination and, and capacity to, to conceptualize from abstract to concrete the way a tradesperson does? Um, what would it mean to know God in the, in the practicality of, of, of your hands? Um, 
doing work on a construction site. And so to get right down into the trades and, and jobs that, yeah, oh yeah, sure, doctors, you know, but but everybody's job, that, that we're all made in the image of a working God, um, and work was a good thing. It was there before the fall, so this is not something you know, uh, all cursed, it, it has been cursed and there's a cursed side to everybody's job, but, but to name for the Walmart greeter that your, your gift of hospitality, the 78 year old woman who pushes carts out to people, uh, stands there for eight hours and knows every department in the store and helps people find what they need is imaging a God who finds, helps people find what they need in practical ways, um, who cares about food and, and budgets and, and and all of a person's life and and an efficient schedule for their life and so you start to unpack it and name it um and you know that walmart sermon ended up going online with all the other ones the videos and and um you know walmart greeters from around the world they're going hey thanks for that (laughs) because talk about a derided vocation and yet to name the glory there somehow redeems that little bit of of god that little square inch of god's world and mm. and it's good it's good for them it's good for me as a pastor as a christian to see the world this way to you kind of get humble and you listen and and you're attentive and you're, you're maybe a little less judgmental because mm. if god's in metallica then surely god's working there too and you better be careful about being the way you can be sometimes john and so yeah i i i live in life now surrounded by parables i hear a a fire engine siren go by and i remember the sermon on firefighters and god's urgent heart to save and to run towards the danger i see a story about the police and even all the negative stories about the police but when i do i'm reminded of the sermon um, that looked at how we have a force for good that holds back evil like common grace does, keeps evil from being as bad as as it could be, so that we can have space to flourish and have life and and feel safe. And um, I remember naming that, uh, and and then did an interview with the Calgary Herald on that, and RCMP officers and Calgary Police Service officers and others um, came to church because nobody had ever you know, at that time, all the stuff was happening down in the States or hitting the fan in a bad way and they needed encouragement and God's way of encouraging them was to name where they imaged him and, and their unique policing ways. So my life is filled with parables. I can't think about it all the time or you kind of lose your, your, your mind. You can't like it. it there's just too much good. Like now I'm preaching, you know, I, we, we'll do science another time, but I mean, if, if all physical nature says something about who God is, I mean, that's all around you, gravity and, and, and light and planets and a universe. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's the gig. Yeah. And this, you know, it seems to be that, uh, that Jesus did this. Um, (laughs) Obviously with parables, but in, in every job of parable, I, I kind of address or make the connection to Jesus. Right. And I, I grew up in a church and, and became a trained pastor in a church, but had always engaged Jesus's parables as, as these kind of, very eloquent, pithy, spiritual stories with a with a moral, ethical point to them, um, a kingdom point to them, and they're all of that, of course, still. But but could it be that the very material, very earthy 
uh, parts of creation uh, vocationally and, and things like seeds and weeds and everything that he referenced. I mean, did God know that the shrewdness of a shrewd manager, um, uh, you know, good, shrewd, um, um, well done, uh, high efficacy business practices um, can be lauded, right? Because they were, they too are part of imaging uh, God when done well, right? And, mm-hmm. and done in good ways. A pearl merchant's passion to, to find and get the treasure um, in global markets right now is akin to what Jesus named in the parable which is akin to the universal experience of searching, um, giving up everything for, for the treasure that God has for us. So, I mean, every time we see stories of, 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 of these things repeating themselves or echoing, maybe that's a better word, or rhyming in the culture today, um, the, there's kind of parable-to-parable connections that I make that then remind me of God's greater truths, of the things Jesus said. So as, so as part of church right now um is is part of it really to have these reminders like a weekly or increasingly not weekly but um having a weekly reminder to say look there's there's god yeah you know is that is that kind of what your ministry has been yeah has been and is right now um look um because and and maybe that's one reason I, I left the the local pastorate to a year ago to make space to get this 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 idea out into more places uh, more quickly and maybe more compellingly with more time. Um, you can get so far on Sundays, but I mean, really, you got a half an hour in a sermon in ours, and that's a that's a long sermon. Um, and 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 you're going to instill. Uh, everything that people need. And, and, uh, I, I want to make more room for that to happen, but that's exactly what we did. Right. So look at God, uh, here, look at God, there's God, there's God. And we preach straight up Bible sermons often as well, half the time in our community. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. People come to church for that, but you know, and they came online at, at one point uh, at the kind of heyday five years ago. Our, our sermons were being watched eight or 900,000 times a year, um, watched, not just, um, you know, showing up on the website. They actually hit play. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, I was excited and am excited about the potential of, of this very big worldview idea getting out in, in bigger and better ways. I'm working with, with Ambrose uh, Seminary and University right now on an idea to, to, to plant it um, into both of those institutions and, and the God who speaks science and geography and history and psychology and business um, is the same God that the seminary is studying uh, through all of their traditional um, coursework, uh, what would happen if the two of them started to talk to each other more and, and the seminary learned how to preach business, uh, preach a middle manager who images a mediating Jesus who takes from above and brings to below and understands below and brings it to above. Um, there could be a beautiful thing that maybe happens in the institution and maybe a few more books and, and we'll see where God takes it. So have you, have you ever looked at, um, you know, why there's maybe more of a disconnect now or, or in the last, I don't know, a hundred years or, or maybe even longer where, where there, where 
where we haven't sort of been putting these things together. Cause I, I mean, if, if you go back far enough, I think you start to see like the church was the largest patron of the arts, for instance, and was, was really engaged. And yeah, there's, I mean, there's Christian worship music, but it's not the same as the Renaissance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. um, And if you go back and you look at some of the top uh, scientists and mathematicians, they're, they're Christian. Some of them were, were ministers yeah. who were doing science on the side. Right. And they saw, you know, God in all of it. Yeah. Um, like, have you, have you ever looked at where, like, where did that just, where did, <laughs> where did, we get, where did the separation come from? Like, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, you look back to the, the history of universities and they started yeah. uh, with Christians out of the church uh, as a, the universe, God speaks through the universe. Let's, let's listen uh, and study and learn more about the nature of, of all reality and hospitals too, right? Uh, you can draw a direct line back to Jesus saying, take care of the sick. Um, and then churches starting to do that and then forming institutions, para-institutions that became our Western uh, hospital movement. Um, I, I don't know where, uh, I mean, I, 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 sometimes I, I, I go negative in my thoughts, right, that, that uh, the church has um, in, in, in what I think would, be, would have been an earnest uh, desire to honor the Bible and the scriptures um, sometimes falls into what in the Metallica book I call bibliolatry. Um, we become one bookers in the worst sense of the word. And um, we, we assume that all that who God is and is revealing of himself can fit between the two covers of, of, the, of the scriptures, the Holy Writ. And I have a high view of scriptures and sola scriptura, um, um, but also know that, yeah, that, uh, that, that, that God is clearly the God of creation and moves and speaks um, in those ways. I mean, I don't have to go that far back in my own theological tradition to find stuff that over the last few years has led me to weep. When I read a Bob Inc. quote where he wrote a hundred years ago about how script, revelation in scripture and revelation in, 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 in creation are meant to point to each other. And he didn't use the word, but my word is co-illumine one another um, and give the fullest revelation of who God is. I mean, this person was writing about that kind of stuff. And why was I never taught that when I grew up in my Christian Reformed Church in Ontario as a kid? Um, so, yeah, is it is it um, sort of an evangelical, maybe a more fundamentalist, um, um, idolatrous take on a Bible that somehow closed out the other book um, pragmatically? It's a ton of work. I mean, you, you know, you can't even get people to read the Bible and you want them to read this other book as well, which right. is universal. Um, I, it's hard. It's abstract. It's out of control. Um, I've, I've gotten a lot of pushback. Uh, you know, when you preach on Metallica, you get a little bit of hate mail, right? And, and yeah. how dare you name God in, in that place? Um, so it's safer to stay cloistered and limit God to what God reveals of God's self through the Bible. Maybe that's part of it. And I'm sure there are yeah. Reg Bibby, a, a local sociologist, probably has some other good ideas. And, you know, I've read uh, Barna quickly. Um, Barna did a study a couple of years ago that um, said that young adults are leaving because they don't have a good churches don't have a good theology of vocation. Um, good mentorship and a good theology of science. Those were three out of the five reasons. Wow. And um, so, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the 
maybe it's it's not on the culture. Maybe it really is on the church um, losing sight. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting to kind of hear your thoughts on that. Um, it's it's strange too because the uh, the Bible is constantly pointing, I think, beyond itself. Yeah, right? I mean, and we're okay with saying as long as it's pointing to Jesus and to God beyond itself. Yeah, we okay, but yeah. but the Bible is talk it uses metaphors, images, uses um, and tells the story of real people's lives and God at work in the lives of those people. Yeah. So God, the, the how, how can that end at the end of the Bible? Like that's yeah. got a God's still doing that. God's yeah. still, and we're okay yeah. with saying God's at work, but then to actually point it out and say, well, what is God doing? And what are we learning from God through what, about yeah. God, through what God is doing and where God is present? Yeah. The, the Bible, uh, those questions. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Bible is, is your best argument for a God who speaks through image bearing human beings through history and through culture and through nature. Um, it is general revel, God speaking through general revelation, um, uh, codified and canonized and written down. Um, yeah. So yes, God has to be and continues to be um, yeah. speaking in those ways. Yep. Yeah, I, I I remember reading. It wasn't too long ago. Reading about um, I can't remember who was writing about it now, but reading about uh, God's commandment to not make images. And this writer was talking about how well God gives that commandment because God is already doing that. Hmm. like look around at creation and look around at human beings, which are made in the image of God. Yeah. God doesn't want us to do that. God's already doing it. Yeah. Our, our job is to look at what God is doing yeah. and see God's, see God's image in what God is imaging in, in the world. But ah, that's kind of interesting to think, think about that commandment in that context is, is kind of a neat way. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and I, sorry to cut in, but authoritatively listen, right? Like it's, it's not just that, yeah, God could be, or even God is, but God is authoritatively the author of that image bearing human being doing that thing. Um, and that you, it's, it's not that, that you can listen, it's that you ought to listen and we ought to be listening because otherwise we're missing out on so much of what God is saying. Okay, so kind of coming back to the to the the, the book about work, the, the every job a parable. I'm thinking about the person who, and maybe you've answered this a little bit in in some of the stories you told. But I'm thinking about the person who's going to their job, and maybe they don't love their job. Um, maybe they like parts of it or whatever, and they're a follower of Jesus. They're or they're at least curious about God and but they just don't seem to see like they don't, they, they don't see what you see. <laughs> like yeah. They're just, yeah. they're just going and they're thinking, uh, yeah, I don't really see how God is, is doing anything here. I don't see what I'm learning. Like where do they begin? How do they, or how do we begin to start to try to see what God might be? Yeah. Saying, what God yeah. might be revealing about, about himself. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, what you describe is, is normative for, way too many folks, right? Um, uh, I'm meeting next uh, month with uh, people who work with people who work at seniors homes and, uh, and do pretty thankless, awful, dirty, pushed around, physically pushed around work for minimal pay. And, you know, what, you really God's at work there. And 
well, in my experience at, at looking at some of those jobs that where you would think it would be a challenge uh, to find God there, that my experience has been that often those are the places with the strongest connections to uh, a gospel Jesus uh, who suffered, who, uh, who was looked down upon, uh, whose work was not seen for what it was. Um, there, there's Christ-likeness in the humility of service in thankless places. Um, that that is uh, deeply uh, compelling as a pointer to to God, who God is, and how God is presence, and and I think you know knowing God in in those suffering places um, can be part of the answer. Um, but I also find that for many of those jobs, as I've uh, I've engaged a few of them, um, just naming the one good thing is a surprise, is a hopeful surprise, and and it once named grows and uh, becomes a little bit more of the identity of the woman who delivers flyers to my house, right? That you help a lot of people save money in this community and give them more room to economically flourish because you bring flyers to the homes of people who use those flyers. Um, So thanks for doing your work. And the lady goes, I've, I've never thought of my job. A 78-year-old woman pulling a wooden, 50-pound wooden wagon up the hill in front of my house has dignity and is serving the community in a godlike way in those things. Um, so, yeah, pastors, get, get to work and start to grow a good, healthy theology and wholesome theology of vocation that moves beyond white collars better than blue and high pay is better than low and, and uh, for pay is better than no pay and... And, 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 and start to kindle the imaginations of your people to know that, that, that all of work in and you know, outside of those kind of outside uh, metrics is seen by God, images God, is valued by God. And even if people don't see the results of those things this side of heaven, um, there are results of those things. Who knows? There may be things happening on the other side of the world as a result of, of what you're doing and how you're serving, a kind of uh, kingdom butterfly effect, um, or things that happen later on in time. You know, uh, you hear stories about people talking about how their, their parents or their grandparents worked so humbly and, and, and did this, you know, worked with their hands on the farm and, and did their thing and pioneered and, and, and found a way so that, you know, my kids could be doctors and scientists and teachers and um, and, and those those uh, those grandparents they're they're dead they're gone but God has worked a kind of legacy uh, through their work. Um, in the book, I have a whole chapter that just kind of looks at stories where you'd think, yeah, God couldn't possibly be there, and yet um, from the right angle at the right time um, with the right heart, of course, and. And even a little there um, is is sometimes enough. Hmm. Yeah, and then so you're saying pastors and and maybe churches get to work on developing this healthy theology. Like, what, can you say more about that? Like, what do you hope through through trying to, trying to get this message that you that you have out? What do you hope pastors or churches do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, 
I, I just taught last November, uh, Ambrose Seminary did a, a one-day workshop, a four-credit workshop for their students and for pastors in, in, in the Calgary area on how to preach people's jobs as text. And so I um, went through all the, the theology um, of why you would do that, uh, finished with all of the practicalities of how you would do, do that. Uh, in the middle had uh, two bus drivers, one of them live, um, being interviewed. Uh, so I interviewed this bus driver uh, in front of all of these uh, pastors um, to show them the exegetical process and how you come alongside someone in their job, usually at their place of work, and you listen with scriptural eyes and ears for echoes of, of God in that place. And my hope was that, uh, I'm a dreamer, my hope was that we'd have all uh, 30 of us preach a sermon on a transit worker at the same time, um, and that the Calgary Herald would run a headline that says, uh, local Christian churches honor transit workers. And they write a big article about God present in, in these people who, people who are made in the image of God who take large groups of people safely somewhere. Um, that, that, that collective sermon hasn't happened yet, but I'm a preacher, so the answer to every question is a sermon. Um, but, you know, I've often thought about uh, the, the whole missional movement of churches that are just getting into the ground, onto the ground, right? And I've talked with Alan Roxburgh and others from that movement and said, what if you added this revelatory edge to your missional bent? Um, yeah, they would readily agree, and Alan uh, blurbed my uh, the workbook and and like the Metallica book too, um, God's the bubbling ferment of God already at work in the world. Well, what if you took that ferment, that God already there, uh, with a bit more of a revelatory weight that God's not already there, and you're gonna you're gonna come alongside that, but God's inviting you there. God's speaking and teaching there, and revealing something of who He is through that social service agency, that that community garden project, that whatever you're doing in terms of missional engagement in your church. So I would love that whole missional movement to have a revelatory upgrade, <laughs> increase their revelatory quotient when it comes to engaging what God is already doing in the world. Hmm. And I don't know, uh, this, this is the big question for me right now. I got to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up and, um, but I, I'll talk and write and, and, and preach about it. Um, I preached at, a, at an Ambrose uh, chapel just before Easter, um, a few days before Easter, uh, just about this Jesus making all things new and sort of the cosmic scope of that and that it includes all of our science and work and everything they study there in the seminary and the university. And, and it was compelling and it was real and it felt alive and it felt true. And I got emails from the profs and some of the administrators um, saying we ought to do that in our school. We ought to talk about the connection between what we teach in the university and what we teach in the seminary for a school like Ambrose uh, more. And um, yeah, maybe getting the idea into an institution so that we're training up pastors and leaders to engage all that God is saying through creation and students uh, that will fill their churches that are receptive and want and yearn for that. Um, doing that for the next 10 years might be a great way to... to keep that idea going and growing. Yeah. That, it sounds like there are 
there are lots of possibilities. Right? Yeah. If you got any ideas, Matt, I will, uh, I'll take, and getting on great podcasts. Ah, there we go. That's all getting the message out there. Um, I did want to get around to asking and, and uh, you know, kind of anticipating your answer a little bit. It's just around what your own uh, spiritual practice looks like on a regular basis. Like how do you yourself and your personal life uh, connect with God? What do you do? Um. All right. Uh, I know that seems out of left field, but that's what we no, talk no, about. No, 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 no. But I'm, my answer is going to seem a bit ironic, which shouldn't uh, be ironic for a pastor. But given what I've just said, I mean, my number one thing is is sitting down and reading the four chapters from First Samuel this morning and the continued reading of the whole Bible. So I did the New Testament, and now I've gotten in the Old Testament this far, and and um, in order to engage. Jesus in creation, I need to know Jesus in the scriptures, Old Testament and New. And to the extent that I know those scriptures, I have more with which to recognize him in the world. And so my primary go-to place is reading my Bible and, and knowing it. And I can't tell you how many times over the years, I, I you know, 10 years ago, I'd be doing some obscure sermon on a song or, or a or somebody's job or whatever. And this, this verse from the old Testament that I didn't even know that I'd remembered comes to memory. Uh, The spirit reminds me of this, this thing. And then, um, and then uh, applies it and connects it to this echo that I'm seeing in this uh, creational place. Um, I mean, that's got to be sort of like what happened with the disciples when they saw Jesus, you know, flipping the tables in the temple and they were reminded of that Bible verse, or they saw Jesus do this and they were reminded of that. And they're going, this is that, this is that, this is that, this is that. Um, I had an Old Testament prof come up to me after a talk I gave at Calvin College in in Grand Rapids uh, in the States. And he came up and he says, I think I see what you're doing. I'm an Old Testament preacher guy and I've spent my entire life looking uh, for the connections between the Jesus of the New Testament and the Jesus of the Old Testament. You're looking for the connections between the Jesus of the Bible and the Jesus of creation. And so, yeah, to know the Jesus through whom all things were made and for whom and in whom and uh, in whom all things hold together right now and who is making all things new, I, I need to know him through the scriptures where he, his story is more perspicuous and clear and close and intimate and the gospel isn't black and white and and i can get it at a a different level um so yeah i i do that and then and then i go for a walk and i see a branch and i hear a bird and i see a seed and i i i I look up at the at the morning sky and see a planet and and go from there but yeah very uh scriptural uh, scriptocentric um, pattern for me, which is affirming, right? Because otherwise, you got to wonder if you really are a heretic that the heretic that people are accusing you of. But uh, as long as it falls back into that place and and meeting him in that place, and and then then yeah, more with which to see him in the world. It sounds like too that the Bible is the way to know what to look for. Yeah. Yeah, Calvin said there. It's like the scriptures are like a pair of glasses. Um, so uh, right now, if I take my glasses off, uh, things are pretty blurry, and I kind of know that there's things around me, but I don't know in definition and detail. But I put them back on, and 
through the lens of scripture, I can see, I can see the theater uh, for what it is. I can, I can see the piece of art more clearly for what it is. Mm. I can hear more clearly um, when my senses are attuned through the scriptures, um, what Jesus, what God is saying in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is so good, uh, John. Um, thanks so much for, for coming on today. And uh, can you tell people, where can people find you online and also your books? Yeah, um, I just uh, built last year a, a little website, um, johnvansloten.com. So you can go there. Um, there's um, two or 300 videos of sermons on science and work and culture. And so if, if you're interested in any of this stuff. So that'll uh, take an afternoon for... Yeah, it'll take a little while. <laughs> um, uh, that, that, and that has links to uh, the books and, and yeah. stuff. And uh, um, yeah, keep an eye out if you're in Western Canada, because uh, hopefully through Ambrose, we're going to send some invitations out to churches to participate in a conversation and... Uh, and uh, a website is great and sermon videos are great and books are great, but face-to-face conversations are, are great too. So I'm hoping, uh, yeah, there will be some, be some opportunities for that in the next few years as well. For sure. Yeah. Again, thank you for uh, taking the time today to, to chat with us. Hey, Matt. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You can always go to spiritualityforordinarypeople.com and you can find all of the old episodes and all of the show notes for those episodes. Also, you can find the podcast on iTunes and I would love it if you could leave a review there. That means so much to me and it helps the podcast become more visible so that others can find these interviews. Thanks again for listening. Take care.